You are listening to Talking Home Renovations with a House Maven. Is it time to renovate your house, but you're worried that you don't really know what you're doing? This is an educational and entertaining podcast that will ease your fears. Or maybe you just love hearing about home renovations like I do. I am your host, Catherine McPhail. I am an architect. I practice in Eastern Massachusetts. On the show, I interview other architects, vendors, contractors, and homeowners to gather tips and stories about home renovations. You can learn about materials, systems, sustainable practices, what to expect, what to avoid, and how to make the most of the money that you'll spend on your renovation. This episode is a renovation story in which I spoke with Laura Teagarden, who is an architect from Indiana. She bought a Victorian in Woodruff Place in Indianapolis. I've been following her renovation journey on Instagram, and I was interested to hear more about her story. I hope you enjoy it too. Welcome to the show, Laura. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Well, thanks for coming by. I appreciate your time. And I have heard, well, I've seen a lot about your house on Instagram. Yeah, I moved back to Indianapolis in 2013 and rented for a little over a year. Um, from actually an architect friend and her husband who had the year prior bought a home in Woodruff Place, Indianapolis, which is um, a historic neighborhood just east of downtown. It's about two miles from downtown, from the circle of downtown to the neighborhood. It was the very first suburb of Indianapolis when it was created back in 1870. Hmm. Um, so, you know, I guess it tracks because it would have been probably a 20-ish minute carriage ride. Hmm. Um, so truly kind of their idea of suburb. But anyways, they had a carriage house as a part of their um, home purchase and knew that it needed renovations, did not know entirely what types of renovations it needed. So I lived with them when I moved back and lived um, at a reduced rate so that I could uh, put up with said needs and then also let them know, hey, you might want to fix this before you actually have a renter or Mm. um, do that. Fell in love with the neighborhood, did not think that I would find something in my price point, um, and then ended up uh, actually about four or five months into the search, I found a, a house that had been empty for seven-ish years before they decided to list it. Um, The wife of the family, I think, had fallen ill and they moved closer to where she was receiving treatment. So there was still an emotional connection to the house, Mm. Um, but they were not able to live here. So their son had grown up in the house. um, So he would come back as an adult and, you know, mow the lawn in the summer, do maintenance, but they were not doing any sort of standard maintenance during its um, the time that it was empty and not necessarily running the air conditioning in as much as they should have. So when I bought the house in August, September of 2014, I actually continued renting because I spent the first three months doing uh, white mold remediation from mm. all of the natural trim. Oh boy. Um, so bleaching, soaping, re-oiling. But thankfully... It was, it had been empty that long and thankfully a lot of the trim was still there. You know, nobody had come in and kind of gutted it for copper and trim work. Jeez, does that happen? It does, <laughs> unfortunately. Um, what's what's copper on the inside, just the pipes? Some of the pipe work. Actually, a lot of my old pipe work was, uh, was still cast iron. 
Mm. It's now for the most part been entirely replaced, but yeah, a lot of the pipe work in the basement was still copper. Oh, some of the gas stuff, but yeah, it thankfully didn't have any issues of that nature. Was it just Uh, open? I mean, could you just walk in or was it locked up? No, it was locked up, but that doesn't necessarily prevent people from breaking a window. So that's true. So were there there animals living in there or is it just standard suburban house? Um, There were some animals in the attic. The attic had been quote unquote finished by the previous homeowner, which is its own fun little anecdote. Um, But there were some raccoons in the eaves, which was super fun uh, to like mom who had had a litter of babies. um, I went up at some point a couple months in to figure out what the noise was that I was hearing and a very poltergeist kind of experience of the teenage raccoon shoving the cabling in and out of the wall in the (laughs) attic, trying to figure out how to get into the conditioned space. Oh no. Um, so that got (laughs) remediated. (laughs) Wow. Um, But yeah, so I I moved in in the fall of 2014 after that mold remediation, did some asbestos remediation um, in the ductworks in the basement, and then um, started kind of tackling room by room. I set up one of the rooms that is actually now this office um, that I'm in today. Uh, I set that up as my quote-unquote war room and would go out and make a plan and attack each room one by one. Mm, that's a good um, idea. As my uh, bank account and time allowed. Looking back on it now, it's crazy how much I have accomplished in seven years. But I still kind of jokingly think that after I got the living room done and the TV hooked up and finally had a couch, which took about 10 months, you know, there was there was a slight decline in uh, productivity because <laughs> yeah. I finally had a place to relax. That makes um, sense. But yeah, it was um, the bathroom on the second floor was the first big project that we undertook and stripped it entirely down to stud. It still had an original clawfoot tub in it. So I went through the process of learning how to um, patch and re-epoxy the interior liner and repaint the exterior and um we had to do a ton of um stud remediation for the the floor joists in the Mm. bathroom because they had just been chopped over time that always Um, happens i don't yeah i've said so many times on this podcast that i can't believe that tubs don't fall you don't hear about tubs falling through the ceiling right there is there is absolutely like i'm amazed that this one had not the ca- the weight of the cast iron tub in and of itself let alone if you were to actually fill it to use it as a tub mm-hmm. um because there were sections of joist that like had been cut and were no longer even connecting to each other yeah it's amazing uh, what's what's even holding that up just the floor i guess the subfloor <laughs> and the floor probably actually because because at some point they had had some water damage which was another fun aspect of that um, project. Um, they had had some water damage and had to remove some of the historic tile uh, to get to it and fix it. And instead of trying to replace it, um, they put down crappy plywood and then poured thin set over the entirety of the floor and then oh. put down vinyl 
tile on top of it. Mm. Okay. So, you know, breaker bar through at, at times like three inches of fin set. Whoa. Um, and because the floor was not level because the joists were not connected to each other. <laughs> so that's a good solution. Just pour a thin set over the whole thing. Right. Yeah. It's like um, super glue. It just fixes <laughs> everything. Super glue. Yep. Um, yeah. So that was the first project. Learned a lot in that process, both as a young architect. I actually was six months shy of being licensed at that point. In, in the process of starting that project. And then, you know, not just about overall, how do you do this? Um, and how much of this can I do myself? And what do I feel comfortable taking on versus hiring out? Uh, how to then manage the people that I hire out? Because um, I have historically worked at commercial level firms where there's multiple levels of um, checks and balance mm. on uh, checking details and, uh, going through CA and managing consultants. Um, obviously my business L squared on the side, I do, uh, residential work through that, but it's typically a, a handoff. Um, it's not a CM kind of oversight role. And at that point, um, I was not doing that level of work with L squared anyways. So it was, it was definitely a, a good first learning experience I walk through that bathroom and see the things that I didn't quite do right and we'll get to fix in 10, 15 years when we decide to do it again. Yeah. Um, but every single aspect of a home project is that way, especially when you're the one doing it yourself. So, mm. um, but it's a functioning bathroom now. It was, I installed a new uh, a laundry system up there, which was wonderful to not have to t cart it to an unfinished basement. Yeah. Well, um, what would you have done differently in your, or what will you do differently next time in that bathroom? Uh, well, I hired a reputable tile contractor. Mm -hmm. uh, I would in the future. Yeah. Um, you didn't I before. I did not in that one. I mm -hmm. hired a tile contractor. They just turned out to not be reputable. Yeah. Me too. Um, if it makes me feel better. I, I, every single day I look at that tile. And I, I think, why did I just not hire an actual competent tile person? <laughs> right. So, yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, they actually did such a poor job and took so long doing it that they misused the penny tile on the floor to such an extent that they ran out and had taken so long that that tile was no longer on the line yep. at the tile manufacturer. Whoops. Um, so, yeah, I had to wait and then it... So there was, you know, they thankfully had tiled themselves out of the room. So it was the section. <laughs> so they weren't still in there. Right. <laughs> right. It was this, it was like the three or four squares of space right at the door threshold that mm -hmm. wasn't tiled and then continued to not be tiled until I could actually get a match for it. And the GC that I hired to do the master ensuite um, three years later set the tile for that. So like wow. that original bathroom finally got finished when the master bathroom happened. Yeah. That's pretty standard. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, is anything ever really finished? No, it's yeah. not. Cause like you said, as soon as you finish the rest of it, you'll go back and do that bathroom again. So yep. Let's start over again. Yeah. I had penny tile in my bathroom also, and there's just indents in the tile. Anyway, I just wish I didn't think about it every day when I see it, but I do. 
Anyway. Yeah. Yep. So um, over seven years, you've been kind of chipping away. Yes. I am currently finishing hopefully the last big project in the house, which is the kitchen and first floor bathroom. So I guess in order of projects, it was the second floor bathroom, entryway, living room, master bedroom, and second bedroom on the upstairs level. Then office, um, the master bathroom, because it was above the dining room. So then I could finally put the dining room ceiling back on and do the dining room. Yeah. Um, and now the kitchen and fl- first floor bathroom. Um, okay. So yeah. Does that pretty much the whole house at that point? It is minus the attic, uh, which te- technically has a functional uh, bathroom and bedroom. That was that, you know, quote unquote finished that the previous homeowner did. Mm-hmm. Um, so it will need ripped to the studs when it gets redone, but it's at least enclosed and I can shut a door and not think about it. Yeah, that's always good. Doors are great for that. Yeah, that's why I like doors. But um, are what kind of house is it? Is it must be a historic oh, house? Oh yeah, uh, it is. Uh, it is a 1890 uh, Queen Anne. Oh really? I love those. Yeah, it's um, it, it thankfully has really good bones, minus the ones in the bathroom that weren't connected to each other anymore. <laughs> those bones were broken. Um, but yeah, it has really good bones. Um, it is in Woodruff Place, uh, as I mentioned, which is mm-hmm. a actual um, historic neighborhood. So it has historic oversights, mm. um, which is different depending on the neighborhood in Indianapolis. So here in Woodruff Place, it is um, anything exterior that is permanent um, or Im- impervious, right? So if you want to pour a driveway for some reason, most of the homes in the neighborhood uh it's an actually a historic brick alley um, access yeah. scenario. So we don't necessarily need a driveway, but some of the um, homes are still on original full lots. Mm. Uh, so they have space for it. But things like decks, windows, any exterior improvements. Um, in 2017, I ripped off on the back side of the house a balcony. I called it de- a death trap balcony (laughs) um that a previous owner had tried to attach onto the attic and they put they put in like a sliding door out to it um but they had literally only angle braced it against the siding yeah so i I didn't ever go out on that but we um we removed that which ihpc the indianapolis historic preservation commission was very happy that i removed it but i still had to go through the process of presenting the, Mm. the plans to them to do so Okay, even though it's on the back side of the house. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Are they um, they cuz your whole where your where your house is, the whole neighborhood is a historic house, right? Correct. Cuz another yeah. like in my town, for example, there are some houses that are designated historic, so but it's not within a district. So Yeah. Yeah, so the entire neighborhood here is uh has that protection. That's good. So people, if they're doing something to their house, they should, and they have an older house, they should probably check to see if there's anything Yeah, they need to go and, through first. Yeah. And the historic commission here is thankfully super competent and super kind. Um, so they're, they keep their website up to date and try to do a really good job of making sure that it's very clear 
what neighborhoods have historic designations. And, but that is definitely something to be aware of if you're buying a house, if you're, if for some reason you didn't think about it when you bought it, but when you go to renovate, um, those things come up. So, yeah. What's, what do you think the biggest lessons you learned? What would that be? It will always cost more than you plan and it will always take longer than you plan. Yeah, that's true. Um, those are just silly big ones, but they're true. Um, my skills as an architect have definitely come in handy in a variety of ways, which I'm sure is obvious, but, uh, I think knowing your strengths then is a piece that plays into that. Mm. Um, so, you know, there might be somebody who realizes that they're not good at design, but they're actually really good at stripping the paint from old window casings or something. So like knowing what you can do to help your budget, um, but not taking on stuff that makes you uncomfortable. You have to know where that line is. Yeah. Um, like I don't mess with plumbing. I have no desire to, to mess with water. Yeah, that's um, wise. But I know enough about electrical to know how to hang my own ceiling fan kind of thing. Um, I know how to help do light installation. Everything when it is older gets harder. So that kind of, uh, there's a, I have a funny story that keys into um, that process of hanging lighting. So I had some some nice new light boxes that I was trying to install for the kitchen renovation. And, you know, they give you there, it's like a commercial grade box and they give you, uh, these puny little nails that you're supposed to nail into the studs with. Mm. Well, 130 year old floor joist, um, it's basically petrified wood. Yeah. And so you're better off using screws, but in the process of trying to set the box, I did not get a screw in fast enough and had one come down and smack me in the face, split my chin. Oh. You know, that's why you wear eye protection. So. Oh, God. So if you have glasses, because you have glasses, I have glasses. If you, one wears glasses, is that enough eye protection or do you need more? I always wear more. Yeah. Um, and I probably, sh I guess I'm 50-50 on whether I should have been wearing a mask uh, because that was new construction at that point. But um, PPE is huge. Uh, I can't tell you how much dust you create when you don't know you're creating dust, especially in old renovations. And you do not want that in your lungs. No. But yeah, so I think those would be, I think the biggest takeaway besides time and money is like knowing your strengths. Um, that's something that I have learned. And as you continue, if you're renovating your own home, those strengths will grow. So you might be able to help your bank account um, from a money perspective and do more in the future, but um, always do a gut check on, do I actually feel competent enough to do this? Yeah. Yeah. That does make a big difference. What was the most fun that you had working on your house? Oh gosh. Um, hmm. So I built my deck from scratch. I think that would probably be the most fun. Uh, it's not going anywhere. Um, it is, uh, it's got, it's, you know, based on frost zone, it's got foundations that start three feet deep and, you know, I built it like a brick shit house and 
um, and then put ePay on top of it, which is just as strong. Um, but it has been uh, a space that uh, has paid dividends, you know, being able to finally experience it. It's a west-facing deck. We do get good shade um, because the neighborhood is so old. We have a lot of old growth trees, thankfully. Um, but it gets really pretty sunsets and um, despite being so close to the city and, you know, can, can finally like have friends over and enjoy the space together. And, you know, during the pandemic, that was a lifesaver to have an outside space uh, to be able to share. So did you install heat lamps out there? We have not yet. We are um, considering installing some now very common string lights across the deck to a tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have we have not purchased a heat lamp yet, though. We do have a really nice patio adjacent to it with a fire pit. So. Oh, okay. Fire pits are good. Good yeah. for the heat? Yes. Was there something that you would do differently if you did it again? Understanding how and when to pay contractors is important and making sure you're not paying them in advance. Mm. So um, can you say a little much. more about that? Like how much? Obviously, they want money to start, right? They do. And it depends on the contractor, though, because I've had like, for instance, the tile guy on the kitchen and bath project is fantastic. Um, Came highly recommended from a friend who does high end custom residential. Um, And I knew to do my due diligence and check in to see if other people actually enjoyed the process of working with them. So he was an example of like, he did not ask to be paid until he was entirely done with whatever that scope was. Hmm. Um, There are some contractors that want paid for rough in as compared to finish work. Um, Just understanding the portion of that um, is important uh, because you can overpay on a rough in and not have somebody show back up Um, or you can, you know, do any variety of things, understanding what that con and always, always, always get it in writing. Yeah. Um, I think unfortunately on the residential side, a lot of people don't know to, they just word of mouth kind of handshake it and then you don't have anything to fall back on. Should they ever pay contractor anything ahead? Like a general contractor, for example, I know might ask for a deposit. Yeah. Deposit. Yeah. That seems, um, I think that that's, legitimate, but I don't, you don't want to pay. I guess it depends on the size of the job. If it's a really big job, a GC is going to want to get paid at a rate that lets them pay their crews. And so typically that starting lump sum can average from like 5% of the total fee to 20%. Right. And that's normal. Um, And they should pay that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But there are other crews that are big enough that they'll just wait until they've actually done a percentage of the work. Uh, yeah. to bill you so yeah i paid a once i paid a painter before he was done and we all know mm. what happened to that guy yeah yeah i i mean everybody makes that mistake i made that mistake on uh on this house too with a plumber which was extra infuriating because it was one of the scopes that i do not like to do myself so did he not come back and finish how did yep. people stay in business like that if they do things like that i mean they just hope gullible people who haven't done like looked for reviews or, Hmm. um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Um, so like, I know that guy ended up getting fired from his crew anyways. Hmm. So you don't stay in business. No, I wouldn't imagine that you do. And in my case, it wasn't big enough for me to really pursue it too much. Right. Which I Mm. guess is the sweet spot. Yeah. Same here. 
Yeah. So how do you find people that would be good? Word of mouth from your friends who have worked with them? Yeah. Um, word of mouth from people actually in the, in the industry. Word of mouth from neighbors, especially if you're in a historic district, can take you to a certain extent, but it doesn't always imply that it's the same crew or that they're maintaining the same quality mm. a decade later sure. from when your neighbor actually had that work performed. Mm. So people in the industry, um, if you get a good vendor or contractor that is covering one specific scope, asking them for a referral of somebody that they work alongside for a different scope that you're looking for um, can be a good option. But yeah, don't be afraid to ask an architect. <laughs> ask an architect, yeah. If there is someone like, you said the tile guy who was really great, sometimes they have other contacts of people who could restore your doors or something else. Exactly. That turn out to be really great too, so. Right, because if they're really great, they're, they tend to get repeat work from the architect or contractor um, and they're getting repeat work with the other people that get repeat work because they want a solid project on the other end, so. Yeah. Do you have a name for your house? Yes, it is uh, L2HQ. L2HQ. So, yeah, um, L squared headquarters because my office is the home office for that space and has become the de facto work from X area for my um, everyday work at Ratio. So Okay. And then do you want to talk a little bit about your, your book, The Little Architect's Alphabet? Oh, Sure. Yeah, so The Little Architect's Alphabet was an idea. I'd already published two books that were specific to the process of getting licensed. Um, so I already had an understanding of the self-publishing process. But The Little Architect's Alphabet is was then an idea uh, to start getting to the ideas of architecture and design to younger people, trying to diversify and expand the pipeline of people who know about architects or what architects do or architecture and design in general is uh, really important to me. Um, trying to get little kids to understand the world around them is something that's really important to me. Yeah. People in general to understand the world around them would be great. Mm -hmm. um, that would be, would be great. But I, my, I had just had my first nephew. My sister um, had a little boy and so I knew that I wanted to do something kid-related. I wanted to do something that I could um, dedicate to him um, and would be something that he would use in the future, um, near future. And so I decided to make an alphabet book that uses architecture and design terminology um, for each of the letters. Yeah, that's so, great. Yeah, it's, um, it's been fun to see little kids actually start to think about where they live and where they play. Yeah. And that's just available on, on Amazon. Amazon. Correct. Yeah. Where else can people find you? Instagram, uh, as you mentioned, uh, and Twitter are both L2 Design LLC. Facebook page uh, is similar, I believe. Um, but Instagram and Twitter are where I am most active. So, Okay. Any final thoughts about owning a historic home? Uh, it is so hard and so worth it. I did not understand until I saw the movie, The Money Pit. And I'm glad <laughs> I did not see the movie, The Money Pit until after I bought my house. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it is, it pays off. Yeah. Well, 
Thanks for sharing your story. Will you send yeah. some photos so we can have them in the in the episode enhancements? Yes, I will definitely do that. Yeah, I'd love to see it. What what how did you paint the outside? I did as a part of that 2017 project when we removed that attic piece and then replaced it with some windows. I removed as much of the existing paint as we could and um, in a historically safe way and then put a new coat on it. So, you know, T minus six more years where I, until I have to do it again. Yeah, that's the good thing about painting your house is that you yep. get to do it over again. Yep. What color did you choose this last time or colors? Um, it is a bluish gray. I would say almost like a, uh, not a deep slate, but like a blue light bluish gray slate color um, with white trim and pomegranate red uh, accents at nice. the triangular pieces. If you can think of a historic kind of Queen Anne style. So like the the roof gables and hmm. well, I can't wait to see pictures. Yeah, thank that you. That's pretty. Well, thanks. It is. It was definitely definitely a glow up. <laughs> glow up. That's always the goal, right? Yep. <laughs> yep. Thanks for taking care of the house. I'm always. Yeah. I, I love old houses. So anytime people are not tearing them down, of course, and then just loving them, I think that's a good thing. Yes, always a good thing. Thanks for listening. I hope you subscribe to this podcast. If you don't, please head over to wherever you get your podcast and subscribe. And if you have time to write a review, that would be so helpful. Please contact me for any reason at thehousemaven at talkinghomerenovations.com. I love to hear from people. You could also join my Facebook group, which is Talking Home Renovations Together. And I'm on there with a bunch of people who have also been on the show, have been guests on the show, and other architects and homeowners and contractors. And so we can just talk about whatever issues people might have right there in the Facebook group. If you're on Clubhouse, come join me 10 a.m. Eastern, Saturday mornings. There is so much information on my website, which is TalkingHomeRenovations.com. Head over there for transcripts, episode enhancements, other information. You want to be a guest, that's where you'll find that information in the application. This podcast is a member of Gable Media, which is the largest AEC network on the planet. Check out the other content on the network at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L-M-E-D-I-A.com. This podcast is a production of my architecture firm, Demios Architects, where we believe architects are for everyone. Until next time, take care. <laughs>